welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. I have the privilege of being one of the main preachers in this church, and I have been for the last 16 years, and I count preaching a very real privilege, I really do. And uh, being able to preach for so long to the same group of people for so long, there's many different ways and many different subjects that need to be shared, and I found that to be true over the years. And this morning we got together and I shared a story. Who enjoyed the story this morning? Who, uh, what was message. I have the privilege of being one of the main preachers in this church, and I have been for the last 16 years, and I count preaching a very real privilege, I really do. And uh, being able to preach for so long to the same group of people for so long, there's many different ways and many different subjects that need to be shared, and I found that to be true over the years. And this morning we got together and I shared a story. Who enjoyed the story this morning? Who, uh, what was message. I have the privilege of being one of the main preachers in this church, and I have been for the last 16 years, and I count preaching a very real privilege, I really do. And uh, being able to preach for so long to the same group of people for so long, there's many different ways and many different subjects that need to be shared. And I found that to be true over the years. And this morning we got together and I shared a story. Who enjoyed the story this morning? Who, uh, what was message? I have the privilege of being one of the main preachers in this church, and I have been for the last 16 years, and I count preaching a very real privilege, I really do. And uh, being able to preach for so long to the same group of people for so long, there's many different ways and many different subjects that need to be shared, and I found that to be true over the years. And this morning we got together and I shared a story. Who enjoyed the story this morning? Who, uh, what was message? I have the privilege of being one of the main preachers in this church, and I have been for the last 16 years, and I count preaching a very real privilege, I really do. And uh, being able to preach for so long to the same group of people for so long, there's many different ways and many different subjects that need to be shared, and I found that to be true over the years. And this morning we got together and I shared a story. Who enjoyed the story this morning? Who, uh, what was message? I have the privilege of being one of the main preachers in this church, and I have been for the last 16 years, and I count preaching a very real privilege, I really do. And uh, being able to preach for so long to the same group of people for so long, 
there's many different ways and many different subjects that need to be shared. And I found that to be true over the years. And this morning we got together and I shared a story. Who enjoyed the story this morning? Who, uh, what His message. I have the privilege of being one of the main preachers in this church and I have been for the last 16 years and I count preaching a very real privilege, I really do. And uh, being able to preach for so long to the same group of people for so long, there's many different ways and many different subjects that need to be shared and I found that to be true over the years. And this morning we got together and I shared a story. Who enjoyed the story this morning? Who, uh, what his message. I have the privilege of being one of the main preachers in this church, and I have been for the last 16 years, and I count preaching a very real privilege, I really do. And uh, being able to preach for so long to the same group of people for so long, there's many different ways and many different subjects that need to be shared. And I found that to be true over the years. And this morning we got together and I shared a story. Who enjoyed the story this morning? Who uh, was down so that we, you and I could understand them. And so when the disciples wanted to know what the kingdom of heaven was like, he said, well, it's like this guys, it's like a net. Now the kingdom of God is not a net, but he said it's like it to give us some understanding of a certain tiny minute aspect of the kingdom of God. So that we could, through this dumbed down illustration, understand something of the kingdom of God. And then he might say, it's like a field. Or the kingdom of God is like a pearl. Now when we get to heaven, the heaven's not going to look like a pearl. It's not going to look like a net or a field. But they are illustrations to highlight a certain point. And every illustration take, taken to its nth degree is something of the kingdom of God. And then he might say, it's like a field. Or the kingdom of God is like a pearl. Now when we get to heaven, the heaven's not going to look like a pearl. It's not going to look like a net or a field. But they are illustrations to highlight a certain point. And every illustration take, taken to its nth degree is flawed. I will, I'll stand by that. But nonetheless, there are some incredible points that are to be highlighted and made through storytelling. And Jesus was a great prolific storyteller. And I want to read to you one of the stories that Jesus told the disciples. Jesus was incredibly relevant, something in the kingdom of God. And then he might say, it's like a field. Or the kingdom of God is like a pearl. Now when we get to heaven, the heaven's not going to look like a pearl. It's not going to look like a net or a field. But they are illustrations to highlight a certain point. And every illustration take, taken to its nth degree is flawed. I will, I'll stand by that. But nonetheless, there are some incredible points that are to be highlighted and made through storytelling. And Jesus was a great prolific storyteller. And I want to read to you one of the stories that Jesus told the disciples. Jesus was incredibly relevant storytelling. And Jesus was a great prolific storyteller. And I want to read to you one of the stories that Jesus told the disciples. Jesus was incredibly relevant to his culture. 
And so he lived in the times of shepherds. He lived in the times of, of, of people making a living out of fishing. And, and so he told parables or stories around those things. And so I want to take one of the stories Jesus told, but it's a, it's a more of a modern version. And it's been very well illustrated for us tonight. And so you can follow with me on the screen. And the story I want to tell you tonight is simply called The Lost didn't have the PowerPoint facilities, but I'm sure if he was alive today on planet Earth, he'd be using these incredible illustrations for us. You good? You right? What sort of animals does this man have? Rabbits? No, he doesn't have rabbits. Giraffes? Well, he might have giraffes but they don't get a mention in this story. Sheep. Yes, he has sheep. He has 100. Or, or, or join a band. What if we play like you, Maddie? Cecil looked right and Cecil looked left. (laughs) He jumped over and discovered they were high and steep. Cecil was not deterred. He began climbing higher and higher. And it got steeper and steeper and steeper. He climbed and climbed until he couldn't climb up and he couldn't climb down. Glenn, five, Josh, six, Lani, seven, Matt, eight, Candace, right through to 97, 98, 99. Cecil is missing. The shepherd ran to the rock and found hoof prints leading behind the tree. He ran behind the tree and found hoof prints leading over the hills to the mountains. Yes, to the mountains. The mountains were high and steep. The shepherd climbed higher and higher and it got steeper and steeper. When he thought he couldn't climb any further and wasn't sure he could climb back down, he heard a noise. Ah. Ah. 
At that moment, Cecil was saved. What did the shepherd do? Did he whack Cecil with a big stick? Crap! No. Did he grab Cecil by the leg and drag him down the mountain? Bump, bump, bump. It's timing. No, he didn't do that. He was so glad that he'd found his lost sheep that he put Cecil on his shoulders and carried him home. When they got home, did Cecil, sorry, did the shepherd tie Cecil to the tree without any dinner? Of course not. No, instead, he threw a huge party and everyone stayed up way past their bedtime. Because Cecil, the lost sheep, had been found. Like I said this morning, every good story should have a moral. It should have a point. I think it should be entertaining. I think it should be funny. I think it should be animated. I think every parent that doesn't make a bedtime story exciting should be locked up in jail forever, the key thrown away. Kids deserve your best. But let's make sure our stories have a point. And Jesus was great at telling stories, but they always had a point. And so some things about this story, and again, the great things about storytelling is that you can read it one day and get something out of it. You can read it the next day and get something else out of it. That's what's so great about the Bible. I try to read the Bible through every year. And I've read it through many times and I get so much out of it. The things I missed the first time. And so I don't have time to elaborate on everything that this story is trying to communicate. But for the sake of the time we have and Mindful that there are people here who aren't used to church or church culture and you've only come to see your family and friends be baptised. I want to honour you and just bring you on a journey with us to help understand a little bit about why we do what we do and why we're so grateful to this man, Jesus. First thing I want to highlight to you out of this story is simply this, that you are not a number. The Bible says that God so loved the world and He notices you. He notices when you, you, when you are happy and when you are sad. He notices you when you've done the right thing and the wrong thing. He knows you better than you know yourself. And He still loves you. I think that's phenomenal. It's one thing to love someone when you don't really know them. You get, you get caught up with the image of a person. And, wow, that person's so good. And so we've got these young kids, 12, 13, 14 years of age, just, just besotted by a man by the name of Bieber. A little, little boy. And you got these girls saying, I love him. He's wonderful. 
But you know what? You who in your 50s and 60s, it wasn't that long ago that it was the Beatles. Ah! George Ringo! Ah! And we say we love them, but we don't really know them. And it's when we get to know them, we find out we don't really like them that much anyway. That's why there's so much divorce and separation in the world today. Because we get to know each other, what we find out about them, we don't really like. But this is the amazing thing about God. He knows us better than we know ourselves, but still loves us. He knows us what's and all, but He still loves us. That is love. That's unconditional love. The Bible says that He knows every hair on our head. Matthew 10 verse 30. And even the very hairs on our head are all numbered. I mean, what a God. I mean, let's face it, for some people, counting the hairs on the head is very easy. But that's the kind of intricate detail that God knows you. He knows you. And that's why Jesus hated religion because religion is a facade. It's to look a certain way in man's eyes and to kid them that you're doing well, but God looks straight through that. Christianity is about getting real. And we let God know we, we, we're struggling. We've got this problem. We need help in this area. God says, I know. That's why I want you to come. It's awesome. So the first point is that you're not a number. The second point is this, that running away doesn't solve anything. People run away for many different reasons. For Cecil, it was boredom. We have people running away just because they're bored. They're bored in their marriage. Well, make it exciting. Or they run away because of rebellion. They don't want to come under that leadership. They want to do what they want to do and be what they want to be. Yeah. It's called rebellion. Some run away because they're just too hurt. We have a young generation that doesn't want to get married because they've seen their mum and dad and the hurt they've been through and they are hurt. I don't want to get married. Don't want to commit. They're running away from the commitment of marriage. That C word, commitment. Some run away because the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence. If you've been raised in church, can I just say you're not missing out on anything? Don't think you have to go out there and just you know have a sex, drugs, rock and roll story before you've got something to say. This is my claim to fame. I was brought up in a Christian home. I've never been drunk. I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never got drunk. Did I say that? I did, didn't I? Never done drugs. And I've never been drunk. Did I mention that? (laughs) Because I was brought up on some truth. In actual fact, when I was 19 and I was in a nightclub away in, in, in Queensland, I was meeting up with my family for the first time. I had a beer with someone. And because I had so much life, because of this life God gives us, I was out there on the dance or having the time of my life. And uh, people were thinking I was drunk. And I thought, what an indictment on the life of Christ. And I vowed that I wouldn't, I wouldn't drink in public because I don't want alcohol getting the credit for this incredible life that Jesus gives me. 
You don't need drugs. You don't need alcohol. Not with Christ in you. Look at these young ones down the front. That's awesome. And it's in this incredible environment. We'll get the ball out later. All right. I grabbed the ball. I kind of ruined your party a bit. Sorry about that. We'll bring it out later, all right? (laughs) I thought Sam was going to cry on me just grabbing a ball. But anyway. So running away doesn't solve anything. I'll tell you why. Because more often than not, the problem is with us. You say, it's that woman. That's what Adam said. God told Adam not to eat of this tree. You can have any other fruit, but not this tree. He spoke to Adam. But Eve seduced him. And isn't it amazing that God went to Adam because that's the man he spoke to. He didn't go to the woman, he went to the man. He said, Adam, what are you doing? That woman you gave me. That's what men love doing. They love blaming people. It's not my fault, it's her fault. The woman sitting there, it's not my fault, it's the snake's fault. The snake's like, what? The snake didn't have a leg to stand on. Why didn't I think of that? And the reason it's no good running away is because we're, here's a, here's a, this is deep. This is deep. This is going to blow your socks off. Wherever you go, you are there. Wow. People try and run away from their problems. And they never do because wherever they go, they are there. Do you know the, the quickest growing state is Queensland? Everyone's moving to Queensland. And yet a statistic has proven that the most unhappy people live in Queensland because they take their miserable selves with them. They blame the weather down in Adelaide. Oh, she's just too small for me, mate. I want a little bit more action, a little bit of sand surf and all that sort of stuff. It's another S word, stuff. Then they realise, hang on, it's not as, you know, as... Running away won't solve anything for you. In Proverbs 14, verse 12, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Thirdly, God went to great lengths to rescue you. You see, our rebellion, our pride, our distractions, our mistakes can all be summed up in one word. It's called sin. And it's sin that separated you and I from God. Sin and God's glory do not mix. Yes, God loves us, but He's also a just God. And God told Adam in the Garden of Eden many years ago that if you eat from this tree, there will be a consequence. And you and I were born into sin. That's why we find it easier to do the wrong thing. Am I talking to the right people? Who finds it easier to do the wrong thing than the right thing? That's because there's this thing called sin at work in us. We have to teach our kids to do the right thing. We don't teach them to do the wrong thing. We have to teach them to do the right thing because sin is at work in our lives. And God can't just wink at sin because He wouldn't be a just God. Can you imagine a judge just looking at some guy 
who's just committed murder or just done something that is against the law, traffic violation, whatever. And the judge just goes, don't worry about it, mate. He's not a very just God. You say, oh yeah, but it's, 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 the judge is the, it's his dad and you know, he just loves him. And, no, no, that's fine. But there's still a thing called justice. People want justice. And God is a God of love, but He's also a God of justice. And if He just winks at our sin, He ceases to be just. And so sin had to be paid for and that's why He sent His Son. And it says that Jesus became sin. He didn't sin, but He became sin. And as a result of Him becoming sin and going on the cross and dying, the penalty, the death penalty for sin was paid for once and for all. And so it's possible for God to love us and forgive us, but still remain just because of what His Son, Jesus, went through on the cross. God so loved the world that He gave His Son and His Son was beaten, battered, bruised and abandoned. He did much more than this shepherd in this illustration. Jesus went to hell and back so that you and I could live. The Bible says He became poor that we might become rich. He died that we might have life. He went to great lengths. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall never perish but have eternal life. And my last point this evening is this, that your past does not have to determine your future. We see Cecil was, was more than glad to follow the shepherd back home. You say, that's understandable. He was on the edge of a ledge, like I am. But you know what? Cecil could have just bitten the shepherd and say, no. It's called biting the hand that feeds you. And we do it to God all the time. We point our finger at God. We mock Him. We use the name of Jesus in vain. And yet it's God who supplies the very air we breathe. But this little sheep in this story responded to the shepherd. And as a result, the shepherd brought him back into the fold and they celebrated. I believe church should be a celebration. There are moments that are somber, but generally I believe it should be a celebration because it's about lost people that have been found. It's about hurting people that have been healed. This church is made up of many, many people and their stories are incredible. Some were rich, but missing something. Others were poor and down and out, but God came in. Others were prisoners. Others were just good people, just doing life, but something was missing. Everyone in this place got a story to tell of how Jesus came. But with every relationship, it takes two people for a relationship to work. People ask me all the time, I don't know if I've got a sign on my head say, ask me this question, but people ask me this all the time. If God is a God of love, why do bad things happen? And the answer for me is so simple. Because we ignore Him. God has given us a manual for life, how to do life. It's called the Bible. And in love, He said, hey, look, 
you know, if you do this, this will be really good. If you do that, that'll be really bad. Stay away from that. Do this. I love you. Just like any natural parent would say to their kids, hey, stay away from that fire. It's hot. You're going to get burnt. Don't eat too much junk food. Oh, you're just being legalistic. No, we're loving you. And people just ignore God's incredible wisdom and incredible advice. And then we blame God as if, why doesn't He care? He cares. He cares so much. I shared a story this morning about, imagine just for a moment, because I know we're into MasterChef. We love cooking these days. Everyone loves cooking. And, and so just imagine you bought a cookbook and you saw this picture of a cake. You said, man, I'm going to make that. He said, buddy, don't you think it'd be good if you just read the instructions? No, no, I just want to make that cake. And we put a few eggs and put a flour and a bit of this. We mix it all up. We put it in the oven at the temperature we want uh, for the time that we want. And we bring it out and it looks nothing like the picture. Don't you think it'd be futile and stupid to then blame the author of the cookbook for why it didn't turn out correctly? Wouldn't it? People do that with God all the time. God says, hey, you know what? I love you this much. Don't have sex before you get married and have sex lots after that to that one woman. And enjoy sex in the confines of marriage. That's God's wisdom. We say, no, I don't like that. Can't wait for, no way. And we've got STDs. We've got people dying. It's unbelievable. Got AIDS. It's unbelievable. Where's God of love with AIDS? He gave us a way what to do and what not to do. AIDS is not God's fault. It's man's fault. If we just did what God told us to do, this world would be awesome. And that's why the church is here. And we are just one of many churches in this city and in this nation. And they're saying, hey, look, we're not perfect. We're not here to get a rod and whack you over the head or Bible bash you. We're here to say, God loves you. And with his love, we love you. And there's a better way. But you've got to respond. And we're finding that those that respond, the relationship is complete and a new life is formed. It's called being born again. When we confess our sin and our need for a saviour, we give our life to Christ. And that's what we're going to witness tonight with baptism. We're witnessing people that are going to go through some waters. In the natural, they're just going to get wet, dried off, and that's it. But it's symbolic of something so much more. It's symbolic of the old life. As they step in that water and are buried, it means death to the old way of living. And the resurrection coming up out of the water speaks of a new life in Christ. It doesn't mean they're perfect. It means that we can go to one who is perfect, who was tempted and tested in every way, yet was without sin. And when we find ourselves struggling in certain areas, we can go to the one who empowers us. See, grace is not just unmerited favour. Grace is not just God forgiving us. It's also the supernatural empowerment to live a life for Him. And we want to be victory by name and victory by nature. That we can overcome circumstances and situations. And so it's a real privilege tonight We're going to baptise, I don't know what the exact number is, 13, 12. 12 people are going to go through the waters of baptism. And uh, the way we've done it in this new building is just by introducing themselves. Pete, this is your cue to come up here. We're going to introduce 
those that are getting baptized to you. And as they're actually getting baptized, we're just going to ask you to stand and we're going to sing. We're going to sing a song so if the musicians can come. And we just want to sing a worship song to Jesus over these ones as they get baptized tonight. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. God bless.